0: Let's see if you can get this toolbox off me. Oh, come on, Buzz, I... Buzz, I can't do this without you. I need your help. I can't help. I can't help anyone. Well, sure you can, Buzz. You can get me out of here, and then I'll get that rocket off you, and we'll make a break for Andy's house. Andy's house? Sid's house? What's the difference? Oh, Buzz. You've had a big fall. You you must not be thinking clearly. No, Woody. For the first time, I am thinking clearly. You were right all along. I'm not a space ranger. I'm just a toy, a stupid little insignificant toy. Whoa, hey, wait a minute. Being a toy is a lot better than being a, a space ranger. Yeah, right. No, it is. Look, over in that house is a kid who thinks you are the greatest. And it's not because you're a space ranger, pal. It's because you're a toy. You are his toy. But why would Andy want me? Why would Andy want you? Look at you! You're a Buzz Lightyear! Any other toy would give up his moving parts just to be you. You've got wings! You glow in the dark! You talk! Your helmet does that... 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 Whoosh thing! You are a cool toy! As a matter of fact, you're too cool. I mean... I mean, what chance does a toy like me have against a Buzz Lightyear action figure? All I can do is... There's a snake in my boots. Why would Andy ever want to play with me when he's got you? I'm the one that should be strapped to that rocket. Buzz, forget about me. You should get out of here while you can. Buzz, what are you doing? I thought you... Come on, Sheriff. There's a kid over in that house who needs us. Now let's get you out of this thing. Yes, sir! Well, there's some serious mentoring going on in uh, that classic segment of Toy Story, a lot of encouragement uh, that's going back and forth, a lot of calling forth giftedness, Uh, there's a lot of uh, pitfall there about comparison. So the kind of stuff that Buzz Lightyear and his buddies talking about are some of the things that we want to talk about today. I'm Pastor Bob, I got a foot injury, and so I'm sitting down on the job today, sorry about that. All I was doing was playing baseball with my grandson, and I stubbed my toe. Go figure. Truly. Well, we're going to talk more today. We started last Sunday talking about mentoring. I want to invite you to say something with me, okay? It's about with. It's about with. It's about with. <laughs> Not two or four. It's about With not two or four. We can do a lot of things to people. We can do a lot of things for people. We can write checks. We can uh, write around disconnected from others, but there's something about the relationship of doing it with people. Now, last week, there were some great examples in the Bible that was shared about biblical mentors, how the Apostle Paul had his Barnabas, an encourager, how Mary, the mother of Jesus, had her Elizabeth. How that Mordecai was a great mentor of Esther. And I want you to think this morning about being a mentor of others as well as allowing other people to mentor you. I want to invite you to think about times in your life, all kinds of venues, all kinds of situations where you had mentors that showed up in your life, and maybe sometimes you didn't, and it made all the world a difference who was there for you or who was there to do it with you rather than to you or for you. I wanna talk about a couple of times in my own life, my own experiences. One time, uh, I was 23 years of age. It was just not not too many years ago, and um, I was skiing for the first time. I remember this well. This was in February. And there was a big blizzard that hit Kentucky. I was in seminary at the time. And I remember heading for Missouri for a two day trip to Colorado. And it was snowing so badly, and the blizzard was so bad that a patrolman pulled me over and he said, You cannot be out here without tires. Go straight home. So I did. I went straight home to Missouri. And I met some friends in Trent, Missouri, and I went on then the second day to Copper Mountain, Colorado. And I had never gone skiing before, and we got up there at noon, and up on an intermediate slope with moguls, probably more moguls than you know how we can embellish stories. I got up there, and I didn't know how to criss-cross, I didn't know how to snowplow. <laughs> what was I doing up there? And I didn't have a mentor. I just had some friends that thought, well, hey, he's 23, he's pretty athletic, he can do this. But it was a disaster, and I kept wiping out, I kept uh, falling, and finally I got so discouraged, I just took my skis off and I started walking down the mountain afoot. After a while, the sun started kind of going down (laughs) over the slope, and uh, a professional... Ski instructor came by and asked me, what are you doing? Well, I'm just walking down. You, you don't know how to ski. No. Put your skis on. I'll show you. So he, he shows me how to ski. He does me all the routines. He, he shouts out these instructions, and I, I keep falling. I keep wiping out. And I'm feeling so much pressure and stress from this professional skier. And finally he says, just take your skis off and walk down as fast as you can. You're keeping a hundred people from going home. (laughs) Now, contrast that with a couple of weeks ago when I was in Puerto Rico. I'd never gone kayaking before, and we went out to this beautiful bay, this luminescent bay in in Puerto Rico, one of the top five uh, bays in the world, where you put your oar in the water and it just turns this bright snow white. And I was in a tan with a guy named Jeremy, who was a part of our mission team. And Jeremy and I had hung out that day, and we got acquainted, and he was glad to sit in the main seat in the boat, and I sat in the front. And he just gave me instructions, softly, quietly. And when I was indicating some apprehension about doing something wrong, Jeremy said, Bob, don't worry about it. Just shut up compensate for you. I'll, I'll take care of it for you. And uh, it was a great experience. I wouldn't have missed it for the world. Now, what was the difference between my skiing experience and my kayaking experience? Well, my, my skiing experience, I was over my head. I was starting out on a slope that I wasn't ready for. I was too prideful to go to the bunny slope, which I did the next morning. And by the afternoon the next day, I was ready to tackle some more challenging slopes. But I had a mentor in Puerto Rico that taught me how to kayak. And in the experience, he was for me. He wasn't a professional. He was good at what he did. And he really wanted me to have a good time. Um, we need people like that in every venue in life, uh, In school, in work, in the neighborhood, in church, we need mentors, and we need people who are willing to mentor us. And at Schweitzer, we created a motto. We didn't create it, but we've really bought into it the last few years, that when it comes to mentoring other people inside the church, it's not about doing things for people. It's doing things with people. It's about having relationships with people. And we don't need professionals. You don't have to be Superman. You don't have to be Wonder Woman. You don't have to be Buzz Lightyear. In fact, it's probably better if you're not really excellent at everything you do. Now, uh, before we get to some Scripture, and we're going to unpack and talk about some of the characteristics of what a good mentor looks like, I want to throw out one more example to you, and that's <laughs> the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, I don't know if you're a baseball fan or not, but what's happening in St. Louis right now is absolutely phenomenal, that this no-name interim manager has stepped into the helm of leading the Cardinals, Mike Schilt, and if you'll look at his cap, he's got a Springfields Cardinal cap on because he was the manager in double-A. Now, Mike Schilt replaced Mike Matheny, who was a really good ball player, good catcher. And Mike schilt got some other guys on his bench that, like Mike, never made it to the majors, never was able to hit a curveball. And yet these guys know how to teach the fundamentals. And the Cardinals are now, if the season ended today, after going something like 22-10 under Mike Schilt, are in the hunt and would be a wild card contender. All this happened, playing a bunch of kids and some veterans, no superstars, but playing retroactive Cardinal baseball. That's fundamentals. And that's what we want to talk about today, living the fundamentals of life. And I think the world, we're kind of done. I'm kind of sick, actually, of the superhero phenomenon. I think it's time to just kind of say, enough already with that. What we need are, are just some good people who want to help people in life, in every venue of life. And so we mentor all the time. Whether we do or not, we mentor all the time. And yet the most important mentoring is the mentoring that we do from a Christian perspective. Uh, from a person that is there to help someone genuinely grow in Christ. And so what we want to do today is to point you to some clear pathways of how we can really help mentor other people in a lot of different ways through Schweitzer. But as we do that, let's look at the Scripture first. We're going to first look at Galatians chapter 6, and we're going to look at some verses here, verses 1 through 10 of the Apostle Paul as he writes about the culture of helping other people. Now, remember, Paul was, and he developed into a a pretty superstar kind of a Christian, if you want to call him that. But Paul would have been nothing without his mentor Barnabas. Paul became Paul because he had a Barnabas. And the scriptures that Paul is writing to in this passage in Galatians, is so much a product of the Christian community and other people that poured into him, especially Barnabas. So let's look at these words. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Now, it's not that Anytime you do a mentoring relationship, there has to be a sin. But oftentimes, there there are sins. There are mistakes. There are problems. We miss the mark. We get into a defiant spirit. We blow it. We mess up. And it's so important to proactively have someone in your life that's there for you when you mess up. Because true friends are not the people that walk out of the room when you mess up. They're the people that are there in the room, stay in the room, or walk in the room when you need them. And I love the phraseology here that if you are caught in a sin, restore that person. And the image that is used here for restoration is the mending of a net. It's the same word that appears in Matthew 4.21 when Jesus is calling the, the fishermen who are mending their nets. That's that's a beautiful image, isn't it? What what does a mentor do? A mentor is a mender of spirits. There's someone that does so with a sense of gentleness. They're for you. They're not the professional skier that's shouting out, barking out orders. They're Jeremy sitting in the kayak with you. That's that's the spirit of what Paul is saying to to us about. So a mentor is someone that is there with you, that, that we all get caught in a crate sometimes. We all get stuck. But that person is undeniably for us and is there teaching us and showing us, restoring the relationship, gently speaking truth into our lives. Let's read on in verse 2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? What does he mean by that? The law of Christ is is the law of love. It's the spirit of grace. It's the spirit of truth. We follow the rules of Christ when we're walking in this spirit of love. If anyone thinks there's something when they're not, they deceive themselves. Each one of you should test their own actions. That's a real call to humility, isn't it? That's a real call that when we are succeeding or we're puffed up or we think too highly of ourselves, we need to be grounded. And in a mentor mentee relationship in the culture of the church that we're building at Schweitzer, there's no need for superstars. There's no place for big egos. There is a place for healthy egos. Because the scripture goes on to say, but then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else, for each one should carry their own load. I love that. Because here, again, it guards against comparison. If I can compare myself to somebody else that always does better than me, someone that has a greater capacity than I do in certain areas, I'm always going to be defeated. Or I'm always going to compare myself to someone that's not as good as me in some way. What good is that? But I can genuinely take pride in a spirit of humility for an accomplishment that is well done, with God's help." That's a healthy ego. That's different from a big ego. Now, let's, let's read on. So Paul goes on to say, "'Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the Word should share all good things with their instructor.'" Note the relationship. Instructor, oh. I think there's something wonderful about being able to hit stones in life and you've got someone that celebrates it with you. And so you you have an instructor. You have someone that's been speaking truth into your life, and you live into that truth, and you begin to to see that being actualized and unfolded in your life, and you want to celebrate that with the person that's mentoring you, that's guiding you. And that's a great mutual joy for everyone. I remember one of my key mentors was Bill O'Quinn. And years ago, he would say to me, Bob, you've got the stuff. You've got what you need. You just need to grow in confidence, and you need to be able to step out and take hold of situations and lead. I remember that when he said that 40 years ago. I just wish he was around where I could say, hey, Bill, I think I'm doing it. (laughs) Thank you. You see the wonderful relationship that can happen that's mutually celebratory between two people that are growing together in faith, where one guy or one gal is maybe a little farther down the road than the other. Well, let's read on. Paul continues to say, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps where he sows what he sows, what whatsoever he sows to please their flesh. Please the Spirit, reap eternal life in people. Truth is, is something that's not valued that much in our culture. I can't preach sitting down too much here. Is this on? It's not on. Are we on? Are we on? I'm sorry. Up there. Thanks. Thanks, man. Um, we need to be people of truth. I need people who speak truth into my life, not in a judgmental way, not in a condemning way. But, but we need people who recognize that, man, if you keep doing this, this is going to happen. If you keep living for the flesh and for your own life and your own spirit, this is going to be the result. But if you sow according to the Spirit, if you choose to follow the way of Christ, if you seek to be a person of love and joy and peace, and you look at the ways in which that can happen in your life. I, I, I need that. The crazy thing is, I just stubbed my toe. And I walked on my foot for a day or two, and Susan didn't help because she just basically said, you baby. And so I kept walking because I wanted to buck up, and, and then my foot just started swelling like crazy yesterday the afternoon. Well, what if I just kept stubbing my toe, and then stubbing my toe? I mean, it's just little things, isn't it? It's not big things. It's little things where we stub our toe and we just kind of keep stubbing our toe and we keep stubbing our toe. How smart is that? In the spiritual realm, in in our conduct, in our thinking, in our behavior, in our attitudes, in our actions, in our spirit, man, I just need to stop stubbing my toe. And crazy enough, I need some people that Call me out on that. So that's that's the spirit that Paul is saying here. It's a spirit of gentleness. It's a spirit of humility. It's not a spirit of judgment, but it's a spirit of discernment. And and I want that. And I want to be that kind of person. That's what we need. Finally, Paul concludes his words with, with these in verses 9 and 10. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. You know, half the battle is just showing up, not flaking out. If you make a commitment, follow up on it if you say you're going to do something, do it. Who doesn't get tired? Who doesn't get frustrated? Who doesn't want to just quit sometimes? But you don't. You keep showing up. And what happens is when other people are mutually depending upon you and you're mutually relying on other people, man, you you want to follow up. So if I'm mentoring someone and I'm spiritually guiding them and I'm, I'm asking them about, are you in the Scriptures? What does that make me want to do? Can, can I not be in the Scripture then? <laughs> no, that, that builds that up. If, if, if I'm asking someone about their prayer life, I'm a prayer. If, if, if I'm asking people or encouraging people, I want, I want to be that. I, I want to hear that from other people. I want to give. I want to serve. I want to do these things. So, one of the best ways that we grow spiritually, friends, is to be a mentor for other people. When somebody else can really use us, and it's not about being perfect. It's not about being a superstar. It's not about being a superhero. It's about being real. It's about being available. What impresses me about Jesus is, for the people that primarily led the church for the most part, they weren't the brightest. They weren't the best, but they were available, and their hearts were in it. Not always, but He mentored them for three years until they finally began to get it. He's so patient with us. He's so intentional about it as well. So what I wanna do today is just speak into the reality that God is looking for people who are willing to be a mentor. There's uh, different ways that you can mentor someone else in life. You do this all the, all the time anyway, right? You do this at work, you do this at home, you do this organically, I understand that. And, and I applaud that. We also are at church where we wanna create clear pathways where people can mentor other people. And I wanna share with you just briefly six of those ways that that can happen through this church. You can be a mentor first, through Jobs for Life. Jobs for Life is an amazing ministry where people that, are, that do not have the job skills, that do not have, and many times, the upbringing that you, and I, that you and I had, not that most of us cannot grow in our job skills, but someone to sit with them as a champion for eight weeks and to speak in their life. The curriculum is there. Uh, the teacher's already lined up. But you sit one on one with somebody else, and you get to know them, and you get to reinforce, and you get to ask questions, and you get to encourage. Same thing about uh, faith and finance. It's a ministry in our church in which, again, there's a champion, there's teachers, there's instructors, but there's many people who are just sitting on the financial bubble. They struggle in terms of managing their finances, but the cool thing about faith and finance is it does it from a faith perspective. And I got to admit to you that while I, oftentimes I've not had that much trouble in my finances, I've never been on a financial bubble, there's been times in my life where I have not looked at my finances through the lens of faith. I need that. So that might be something that God is calling you to, either as a mentee or a mentor. You can be a tutor at Pittman School. One of the best ways that people can get a pathway out of poverty is learning how to read. It's not everything, but it's a big deal. That's a simple way of mentoring. Another way in which we uh, offer mentoring here is through our coach house. We have up to three women at any one time who might otherwise be homeless, who live in our coach house, and they have, again, mentors, other women that will speak into their life. The life change plan is, is probably the most significant thing I think we do in the mentoring relationship. We have an amazing success rate going on right now, where someone coming into recovery out of addiction or out of prison are meeting up with another individual for a year, and they grow in Scripture, in prayer, in service, in worship attendance, in going through some of the classes we've been talking about, and going through Alpha, and in that one-on-one with relationships. We've had several persons graduate in the past year. And some of these graduates are continuing in another year, and another year, now becoming leaders in the church. We wouldn't want this to get out. We wouldn't want this ministry to get out. We wouldn't want people to know about this because this is one of the most transformative, life-changing power plays that the Holy Spirit is using right now in our church. David Freeman preached about this last week. And as he was lifting it up, a good woman in the congregation, she she said to David later, I said, no, I am not going to do that. And the woman said immediately, the Holy Spirit said to me, Yes, you are. So all I'm going to say is, if the Holy Spirit is calling you to do this, then do it. The final type of mentoring that I want to talk about today is spiritual guides. It's a ministry in which people who are not necessarily coming out of a dark place but are coming out of a need and a hunger for God. And so Linda Harper and I lead this ministry where one-on-one relationships, guys with guys, gals with gals, can meet up a couple times a month and just look at what God is doing in their life and pressing forward. So if you didn't know, mentoring is a big passion of mine, and it's a big passion of the church and we just feel like God is really raising up this ministry. And I want to ask you this morning just to look at your life and to recognize that we were never intended to go to do it alone. We're not intended to learn to ski without a mentor. We're not intended to learn to kayak without a mentor. We're not intended life without a mentor. And I have never reached a time in my life where I didn't need a mentor as well as be a mentor. The idea that we pour into people's lives and they also pour into our life. And so uh, here's how that can happen. If we can uh, have this up on the screen. Uh, You can become a Schweitzer mentor. This Wednesday night is a big deal. This Wednesday evening at 6.30, 8 o'clock in Memorial Hall, just below us. We're inviting anyone that feels called to be a mentor to come and to learn and give 90 minutes of your time. You can sign up online. You can check that box in the connection card. Just check under number one. If you want to be a mentor, check that box. If you want to uh, be a mentee, check that box. Talk to us after the service at the table. Be open to what God is doing. Help other people's lives to flourish. It was in 2005, I went down to Nicaragua, and I met up with this guy, and he was a native Nicaraguan, and There was something amazingly special about this young pastor that I met at the time. And the Rainbow Network was was something that we were doing at the time in ministry at Schweitzer. And God messed with me in a big way. But I remember the Holy Spirit saying something to me on the plane ride home. The Holy Spirit said, Bob, how many poor people do you know in Springfield? Now, I am not opposed to doing missions in other places. In fact, I just got back in Puerto Rico. We're, we're doing it there. Mission teams are going. But the challenge that God put on my heart, there's people right here in this community, and you can be poor in a lot of different ways. But who do you know personally, Bob? Bob? that you're pouring into right here in Springfield? And that's my question for you this morning. And maybe, just maybe, it's the Holy Spirit's question too. As our band comes and we're going to go into uh, more time of worship, we're going to receive an offering. And this morning, I just invite you to hold up this connection card and to look at it. And if you want to give monetarily this morning, that's awesome. God may be calling you also to give to be a mentor or to be involved in one of these other ministries. And so I invite you to to really place this card in in the offering bag this morning as your offering. I'm going to pray and uh, just invite the Spirit to, to work in our lives this morning.